What was ancient man really like? Was he a stooped-over, club-wielding caveman who invented fire and barbecued T-Rex? Was he on an evolutionary journey to modern man? Or was he just the same as you and me? He had a good mind, could think, could reason, and was to be a steward over the creation. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. To find out about early man, the first place to look is in the Book of Beginnings. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that people were created in the image of God on the sixth day of creation. So where does this leave the evolutionary idea of man slowly evolving from fish to ape to man over millions and millions of years? Stay tuned for the next 15 minutes as we investigate the life of ancient man and find out just how advanced he truly was. ICR Creation speaker Jim Gardner starts us off by explaining the two different worldviews regarding early man. Evolutionists, when they talk about ancient man, what they are talking about some type of an ape-like creature that over hundreds of thousands or even millions of years evolved into transitional forms between apes and humans and then finally evolved into what they call Homo erectus or what we call modern man. When we talk about ancient man, what we as Bible-believing Christians and people who believe the Bible is God's Word mean when we talk about ancient man is we are talking about men and women who lived prior to the period of time of Noah's flood. Now, historically, biblically, that flood took place about 4,000 to 4,500 years ago, so we're really talking about ancient man that lived from the period of the creation of Adam and Eve on day six through a period of about 1,600 years after that until God destroyed the entire planet with the worldwide global flood. Dr. Donald Chittick is founder of Creation Compass and author of the book, The Puzzle of Ancient Man. He says because people were made in the image of God, mankind was sophisticated from the very beginning. He had a good mind, could think, could reason, and was to be a steward over the creation. So he studied early things and developed very rapidly with his keen mind a high level of science and technology, which puts together the puzzle pieces of why, if man came up from the animal, do we not find more primitiveness in the past? And we find that he had a high technology in the ancient past. So that fits in the, what we actually find, reality, observational reality, matches with biblical creationism worldview. Dr. Richard Fales is founder and director of the Biblical and American Archaeologist. He would agree that early man was not in an evolutionary prison waiting for the day of deliverance when he would finally become a modern human with intellect and design abilities. The actual beginnings of man, as far as we know in the field of archaeology and reality, is just like every other species on Earth. Man made his appearance abruptly, and he hasn't changed. There has been no evolution that can be demonstrated from, from any archaeology work that can go back to the earliest times. And depending on who is looking at the situation, we can never say that we've found man that goes back more than about 3000 B.C. The early chapters of Genesis tell us how ancient man was advancing in technologies. 
In Genesis chapter 4, we are told of certain skills that were practiced during this time. Starting with verse 20, Dr. Chittick says these verses give us a lot of information about some of our earliest ancestors. Ada bare Jabel. He was the father of such as dwell in tents and of such as have cattle. They weren't just primitive hunters. They had organized agriculture going on, animal husbandry. In verse 21, his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and the organ. They not only had stringed instruments and wind instruments, musical instruments, uh, they not just had music, but they invented musical instruments to play them on. And these weren't just little primitive whistles. We have excavated some of those ancient instruments. A short while ago, a flute, a, at least 5,000-year-old flute was found, and it still played. And by an analysis of the physics of it, it showed they used the heptatonic music scale, same one that we use today. Not only was early man skillful in music, he also excelled in metal craftsmanship. And then in verse 22 of Genesis 4, Zillah also bare Tubalcane, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. Brass has different compositions. Old brass, at the time we're talking here in the Bible, was a mixture of tin and copper. And uh, brass, as we call it today, is a mixture of copper and zinc. But anyway, tin and copper make bronze, so we probably would call that alloy today bronze. But the point is they had technology to make bronze and to work iron. So very early in man's history, according to the Bible, we had high technology which continued to advance from there. And in several hundred years, up until the time of Noah's flood, I suggest that they developed a level of science and technology that we haven't matched until the 21st century. Maybe not even yet. We can see how well advanced ancient man had become by Genesis chapter 4. But within a few hundred years, a devastating global flood would strike and kill all but eight of the world's population. Would technology also perish in the deluge? The flood destroyed that whole civilization and its technology, but not the memory that it could be done. After the flood, they had to rebuild, but they didn't have to reinvent. And so they started to use that technology immediately after the flood. And we see evidence of that, for example, megalithic structures all over the world. It's well known about the Egyptian technology. They made stones and cut them extremely accurately, but we see the same thing in South America and other places. And what's come to light by studies in the last hundred or so years is that these stones were machine-carved. They used machinery to do it, and that has surprised us. And each of the cultures around the world, as has been documented repeatedly, the, had the high technology at the very start, and then it went downhill from there. So it's exciting to see how the Bible matches with scientific reality, scientific and observational reality. So after the flood, technology maintained a high level, but at some point it started to regress. Why didn't ancient civilization continue to prosper? Jim Gardner explains. We have the Tower of Babel event, not too many hundreds of years after the flood is over. God comes down, he confounds their languages. Now think about the impact of that for a minute. 
you have the entire population of the world, millions of people, involved in the construction of the Tower of Babel, being subverted by a false religious system called astrology, cooperating on one giant project. Then you have God confounding their languages. When people all of a sudden can no longer communicate, we start having misunderstandings crop up. Misunderstandings turn into fights. Fights turn into murders and wars. So men literally left the Tower of Babel in family groups and people groups and ethnic groups to keep from killing each other. And this led to the downfall of the technological advances that the world had at this time. As they move out away from the Tower of Babel, all of them took two things with them. Number one, they took only part of the human genetic pool. Secondly, they took only part of the human knowledge pool and knowledge base. And so some of them would have been better at medical knowledge than others. Different group would have been better at construction. Another group may have been very good at farming techniques and so on. And so you have a fracturing of the human knowledge pool and the human genetic pool, and that accounts for a rapid decline in the technology shortly after the Tower of Babel event, which fits exactly what we're discovering out there in the world of archaeology and the artifacts that those people left behind. Archaeologists have found out some surprising things about early man in ancient artifacts that have been discovered. However, some of these antiquities are described as being out of place for the time period in which they're found. Dr. Fales explains. Things that we attribute to the time period of Christ or after or toward modern times that you were finding in the dig sites, we're finding these things that we think we just discovered in the last few hundred years or the last thousand years or the last two thousand years, going back to the time period of two to three thousand BC. We think, oh wow, we're the ones who discovered this, we're the one that made this and in actuality you can go back to the ancient Chinese, you can go back to the ancient Egyptians, you can go back to the the people of Mesopotamia, you can go to any of these ancient cultures and find objects and make discoveries that prove that these things were made a long time ago. What's a good example of this? One of the out-of-place objects that were found in some of the Egyptian sites is, we've wondered for years, if you look at some of the Egyptian antiquities that we have, like the scarabs, they're tiny, they're small. They've got writing on them that today we have to use a magnifying glass to read it. Or if you were to look at a cuneiform document that was written by hand with these little wedge-shaped sticks that go back thousands of years before Christ, how did they write so small? How could they do these different pictures and designs How was it possible? Well, some of the discoveries that have been made in these ancient cultures, they've found little pieces of glass or transparent gems. Once they were polished up again, we found out they were magnifying glasses. So in other words, the magnifying glass system was in existence long before the time period of Christ. From the creation of Adam to modern man, we know that people have always been people. And the one thing that every person down through history has needed is salvation. 
Dr. Chittick says our Creator, the Lord Jesus Christ, has made a way for all people to receive Him as their Savior. If man was created, as the Bible says, then He gave us a choice. We can either choose to obey Him or to disobey, and the Bible tells us that man chose to disobey, and that's why we go downhill and have so much violence. We don't treat each other correctly. But the Creator also wasn't taken by surprise by man's rebellion. He promised way back in Genesis chapter 3.15 that there would be a coming Savior. And uh, it's called the Messiah in Hebrew. In Greek, it's called the Christ. God gave us. He loved us so much. He gave us His Son, sent it to be our Savior. And we find out that if we trust Him, ask Him for forgiveness, then we can be forgiven and have our peace back with our Creator. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.